G'day everyone and welcome back to another episode of the Glory Days podcast. This episode is a beauty. It captures all the emotion of a football club and community who came from the bottom and rose to the top of regional Australia's strongest country football league. This is Corowa 1968, from last to first. Before we start, a huge thank you to our episode sponsors, Corowa Rutherglen Football and Netball Club Past Players Committee, Federation Council and the Mighty Australian Hotel. The Aussie Hotel was a massive part of the 1968 season and still is today a great sponsor of the Ruse. Let it rip, Robbie. Try and picture this. You pick up the back page of the Corora Free Press or the Border Mail and you find out Richmond 2020 Premiership Captain Trent Cotchen will coach Cora Rubber Glen in 2021. In your dreams, in today's modern era, but in another time, this type of scenario played out for a battler of the Ovens of Murray Football League, the Corowa Spiders, when Richmond's 1967 Premiership captain, Fred Swift, was recruited to the Spiders for the 1968 season after Corowa had finished wooden spooners in both 1966 and 1967. And this is the tale of one of the league's greatest ever Rags to Richard's stories as Swift and his band of men defied the odds to bring home Corowa's second only premiership and its first since 1932. One of the greatest achievements ever in country football, Fred Swift, captain of the VFL premiership side in 67 and coach of Corowa, premiers in the Ovens and Murray League in 1968. Let's clap him to a yeah. fantastic effort. Corora finished off a disappointing 1967 season with a well-attended presentation night with the guest appearance of Richmond Premiership captain Fred Swift turning heads and daring many to dream. What was the Tiger skipper doing in town as he had also attended the Spiders' final home and away match in their loss at Wangaratta earlier in the day? The word was that Swift was weighing up a return to Bendigo with Sandhurst or a new start with wife Anita at Corowa. 1968 Premiership player, Bert Tate explains. I can remember there was, um, at the end of 67, I can remember he, he come to he come to Corowa to, to our last game of the year, which was, I think was Wangaratta. And then he, he stayed on for our presentation evening and me and along with three or four others, very young boys, we sort of were in awe of him a little bit. But I remember um, blokes like Jack Fisher and Bernie Bott, who were strong businessmen in the town, then we can't afford to see Coral on the bottom of the ladder, you know, for the for the rest of the time. Let's go out and see what we can do. Labor recruited Fred Swift. Why did he come to Coral? Well, who knows? But uh, you know, the very obvious thing would be uh, money. I reckon he'd be on full a ten dollar figure per game at the captain of the Richmond Football Club. And when he come to Coral, um, you know. It, it's, it has been said that it's something in the vicinity of $140, $50 a game. He was our hero. Uh, he was our, uh, our coach. He was good to us young young fellas. He, um, he he backed us. He backed our young fellas. And he was he was honest. He was fair income. With Swift locked away, employment sorted at Charlie Bratt Furnishing and Upholstery, 
Along with her house, the club were up and about as they were able to retain the services of previous coach John Hoyles, who had missed almost the entire 1967 season with injury. Part of the swift deal centred around Hoyles staying on as a player. Neville Forge, another who missed almost the entire 67 season with a broken hand, was back and ready in his role of fullback. Forge, originally from Waller, played two games with South Melbourne in 1962 after being recommended by Freddie Goldsmith, who was coaching Aubrey. Goldsmith had won the Brownlow medal in 1955 and coached Aubrey from 1960 to 1965. Former St Kilda player Ike Isley was recruited from Coroit, having played two matches with the Saints in 1962. Isley was a strongly built man and quickly became a protector of the younger players, along with local legend John Lane. Peter Chisnell had done a full pre-season at North Melbourne and played the first two matches of the VFL season before the persuasion of Swift found him back at the John Ford Oval. Chisnell explains how he got back to Corowa. I went down for um, the pre-season, of course, and then the pre-season went into all of a sudden uh, things were looking pretty right for me to play uh, you know, the opening game. So, And as it worked out, that's what did happen. And I played my first game against Footscray and then... Uh, things went pretty well. Plus, we won, and then, um, and then, of course, next week uh, we were playing Essendon. So I played the following week, and things went well again. And selected to play against Fitzroy, and um, the great. Well, our uh, we had a secretary at um, Coral in those days called Bluey Chrisfield. He was just a fantastic fellow. And anyway, Bluey Chrisfield and and the new coach Fred Swift. I hadn't met Swifty then. Uh, other than to see him, uh, you know, playing at um, at Richmond, and then um, they, they came down uh, with another fellow, and they came and spoke to me about, look, would I consider going back for this year? Um, and there was an incentive; they they put an incentive towards me uh, going back, and they said um, my age and all that sort of thing. Yeah, you know, I mean, the the way they presented things to me was very very good. Um, and at the time, they caught me at a good time because I was homesick as hell. Like, you know, I mean, I was a young lad and I'd never been away from Coral, of course. Chisnell went back to North Melbourne for the 1969 season and was part of the club's first ever VFL Premiership in 1975. Chisnell played 80 matches in his career at North. Another addition was Wagunya teenage star, George Tobias, who had, in the two previous seasons, played on permit for the Spiders at the completion of the Corrine Football League season. The attraction of playing under Swift got Tobias over the line. He explains. Early in 1968, uh, very, very early January, I had two Corowa guys, from uh, two representatives from the Corowa Spiders come over to home here in Wagunya and they actually convinced me to, to give Owen Emma crack I, they, they said, George, you have got the ability. Like, I couldn't see it, but they can obviously see it. And uh, that was Graham Jones and Jake Jones. And Jake Jones is a cousin to Graham. Graham was the one on the committee, and you wouldn't believe Jake Jones, in the end, ended up being one of my best, my first best mate I've ever, ever had. To go on and win the grand final, like, uh, and, and it was uh, the last, last one, uh, before the, the one before that was 32 years, which yep. was coached by Nana Baker, and uh, and it was the last one as the Coral Spiders. The recruiting team finished off in style with the signing of Heidelberg young gun 
John Jack Clancy, who had dominated in a practice match for Heidelberg against the Spiders just three weeks before the season opened up. Ollie Phipps played on Clancy in that game and urged the club to sign him. We played, uh, we used to play Heidelberg in practice game, but we played them in the 67 and, and uh, they come up again. They said, oh, the player might think about coming up here, you know, and we sort of have a good look at him, you know, and happened it was I played on him and, and uh, I had a good look at him, all right. He come down when I first, he come down to the, into the pocket where I was playing. He had socks down, shirt down, everything down. And I said, oh, I was thinking to myself, this bloke's no good. He won't be any good at all, this fella. But as soon as the game started, well, that was the end of that story. And I, after the game, <laughs> I said to the president, Jack Fisher, uh, I think you're on the right track here. Just said, you better get him. And that's what they did. So... All was in place for round one against Murray River rivals Yarrawonga in front of a bumper crowd on April the 27th. The occasion also marked the 100th game for Bill Fibbs and it was celebrated accordingly with a convincing 68-point win over the Pigeons. Round two was highlighted by the return of Peter Chisnell who had played his two senior games at North Melbourne and was ready to come home. The clash was also club stalwart and assistant coach Kevin Wiverton's 200th senior game. A spare part player in his early years, Wiverton made full forward home, having booted 216 goals in the last three seasons. The game was a thriller, with North Aubrey's Tony Hever kicking a goal off the ground in a goal square scramble with just five seconds on the clock, giving the Hoppers a one-point win. Ike Isley, John Hoyles and Terry Phipps were best for Corowa while Witherden kicked two goals in his milestone match. A back injury to Fred Swift during the game would see him miss the next two matches. It was another trip east along the Murray in round three as the Spiders took on the Aubrey Tigers, who like Corowa, had started the season with a win and a loss. Aubrey completely outplayed the Spiders in a commanding 49 point victory with John Kimball and Ray Thomas kicking five goals and Tigers coach Bobby Spargo four. Kev Wiverton kicked four for Corowa, while Isley, Bill Phipps and Peter Chisnell were terrific in defeat as Corowa dropped to sixth place. The Spiders were back at home for a round four clash against the Mountain Men of Myrtleford and in a much improved effort, won by 38 points. It did take six unanswered goals in the final quarter to overturn a three-quarter time deficit of four points. Kevin Wiverton booted seven goals, while Terry and Bill Phipps, John Hoyles, Peter Chisnell and Jack Clancy dominated the midfield contest. The victory took Corowa to fifth spot, one game out of the top four. Following round four, the Ovens and Murray Football League selectors named the interleague squad for its clash in Morwell against the Latrobe Valley League on Queen's birthday weekend. Five Corowa players were named in the 30-man squad. Fred Swift, Peter Chisnell, Ike Isley, Lindsay Jacobs and Kevin Wiverton. League Secretary Mr Cleaver Bunton advised that the league had adopted a strong no-play policy at a special meeting of the league. Any player who drops out of the squad without approval of the team's medical officer will not be permitted to play with his club on the following Saturday. Mr Bunton, what about a player who has to attend a wedding? The game is on a Sunday and the only people I know who get married on Sundays are Greek Orthodox. We have no Greeks playing. Next up was a trip to Wangaratta for a crucial clash against fourth-placed Wangaratta Rovers, who were one win ahead of the Spiders. Fred Swift was back for the Spiders, 
With a return to the top four on offer, that game went to the wire, with the Rovers, despite kicking less goals, winning by three points. Jack Clancy was best for the Spiders, with Graham Fraser, Terry Fibbs and John Hoyles doing all they could in another narrow loss. Corra were now in sixth place, two games out of the top four, who were all equal with four wins and a loss. Round six, and the Spiders were keen to celebrate a win over Benalla with its cabaret ball scheduled for later that evening. The players' committee ran a raffle with first prize an electric blanket. The players' trip in 1968, would you believe it, was a 10-day trip to New Zealand. Imagine telling the lovely you're off to a footy trip for 10 days and overseas. Ollie Phipps tells more about the trip to New Zealand. Yeah, it took a long time for us to get that because we had to do a lot of raising the money, of course. We we didn't actually have to pay anything. We only pay your spending money, but uh, all the accommodation and flights, that was what we all paid, was all paid for, what we earned, you know. Just things around the town, them days we just cutting wood and raffles and all that sort of stuff. And Yeah, and, and put a bit of crop. One of the farmers gave us a paddock to clear and we cleared the paddock up and put crop in it. The pub was that good and they looked after us and yep. we made a bit of noise, but we nothing, they were a good group. Them days, nothing happened, nothing was hurt. No one was hurt, no one smashed anything or anything like that. And they used to put us up in the top, right in the top story and, and put all the beer up there for us and leave us there. Then you wanted to have a few beers and, and that's what they did. And they looked after us that good. And anyway, when we got home, the public and the public, and they sent a letter back to the footy club, you know, writing a boat, a big letter back and saying that any time you need to come over anymore, there's no, you've got no worries, you're going to stay here, you know. We got a good report out of it, yeah. Okay, back to the football, and the Spiders certainly did celebrate with a commanding 70-point win over Benalla. There was drama at three-quarter time when the siren didn't work. A frantic search for the emergency cowbell failed to locate it as former player and timekeeper at the time, Bob Tate, dashed onto the field to alert the umpires it was three-quarter time. The bell was found moments later by a female. It was on the roof of the timekeeper's box. A classic case of having a man's look. Kev Wiverton with five golds was leading the league goal kicking. Jack Clancy and John Lane both booted three as Coral were finished the first third of the season in sixth place. Club football was on hold for a week as the Avon Murray Football League travelled to Morwell to take on the Latrobe Valley Football League in the Caltex Country Championship semi-final. Nine of the 20-man squad had VFL experience, with Mick Brown, Fred Swift, John Waddington, Ralph Rogerson, Trevor Steer, Kevin Smith, Frank Hodgkin, Peter Chisnell and Marty Cross all having played in the VFL. Seven of the team were club coaches, while the Latrobe Valley had eight players in its team with VFL experience for the Sunday fixture. The team travelled by bus on Saturday morning, picking up players and officials along the way at Rutherglen, Corowa, Aubrey, Wodonga, Wangaratta and Benalla. On arrival in Morwell, they were afforded a civic reception at 5pm. Corowa were represented by Fred Swift fullback, Peter Chisel on the wing and Kevin Wiverton full forward. Ike Isley was a very unlucky omission. In front of over 5,000 people, the Ovens and Murray overcame a sluggish start to run away with a 34-point win with coach Mick Bone, best on ground, just ahead of Myrtleford's Kevin Smith, who booted four goals from centre-half forward. Chisnell dominated his wing, Wiverton kicked three goals. 
the win qualified the black and golds for the grand final later in the year. Peter Chisnell explained the experience of interleague football as a youngster. Mick Bone was our coach, and Boney was, you know, to to uh, if you're outside of Wodonga, of course, Boney was a lot of other things. You know, they, <laughs> you know, you know, people didn't have a great love for him unless he was playing for you. <laughs> yeah. He was one of those little guys, you know. But we, but anyway, he coached very, very well, of course, and he was the coach. Uh, and then you had blokes like Martin Cross playing uh, in the side, uh, Noli Long from from Yarrawonga, who had come from Footscray, um, and and so forth and so on. It was just it was a uh, you know a, a lineage of, of great players, uh, and of course um, in that particular game, though you wouldn't believe he was <laughs> just coming out of playing your first games in Melbourne and that. Um, I don't know whether there was a reason behind whatever, but I got whacked flat out. Round seven, and it was a local derby, or the Border Premiership, as it was known, with Rutherglen hosting the Spiders in a game sixth-place Corowa could not afford to lose. Rutherglen looked set for a boil-over when they kicked the first four goals to lead at quarter time as an upset was brewing in a fiery encounter. After a good second term, Corowa had taken back the lead before Rutherglen mounted another charge to level the scores going into the final term. Led by the brilliance of Peter Chisnell and the Longmire brothers, Robert and Fred, the Spiders kicked six goals to two to take the badly needed four points. Fred Longmire spoke of the rivalry that existed between the two clubs. Uh, on a Thursday Thursday night after training, um, all Corowa senior players, we were given a reciprocal players pass to get into in the gate at any Ovens and Murray footy game that we played. And that rather than the bloke on the gate, he would say, as a Corowa player showed him the pass, what's that? Never heard of such a thing. Give me $5 if you want to get in to play. The other one was, <laughs> Mum was the president of the ladies' committee. Yeah. If, if Corowa beat Rutherglen, the ladies' committee would donate a steak night after training the following Thursday <laughs> night. Um, Rutherglen helped us uh, to train during the finals. Um, they offered the opportunity themselves. Um, and so five or six of them came over during the cam finals campaign and uh, and trained with us in match practice and that and that was much appreciated. Uh, they were just as keen to, for us to do do all right as, as anybody. So it was wonderful. Next up, it was the defending premiers with Donga who made the trip to John Ford Oval for a blockbuster in front of a huge crowd. In the best game of the season, full of physical clashes and brilliant ball movement, both sides turned on a classic first half, with Corowa kicking eight goals to Wodonga's seven to lead by five points at half-time. Wodonga regained the lead in a slogging and rugged third quarter to hold a two-point lead going into the final term. In a fiery and at times brutal last quarter, Corowa played premiership-style football to hammer the dogs with a six-goal-to-one display that saw them leap back into the top four. The spark was ignited early in the quarter by a 65-metre gold from the Riverside flank by Ike Isley, who, not long after, was felled in an incident with Bulldogs enforcer Ken Goyne. Isley spent several days in hospital and missed the next fortnight of football with concussion. Fred Longmire said he had a first-hand look at the incident. I was on the ball roving against Wodonga's coach Mickey Bone when all of a sudden uh, Boney says to, to, he said to Ken Goyne, get Ike meaning give him one. 
which he did. <laughs> Ike was out like a light. And Big Ike, he was away with the fairies even that night. But uh, some might wonder why Ike Isley played so well in the grand final. Ah, a bit of retribution, eh, on the scoreboard? Yep. A general buy the following week for the grand final of the 1967-68 Caltex Victorian Country Championship between the Wimmera Football League and the Ovens of Murray Football League at Horsham. The championship grand final was a culmination of two years of matches with both sides winning three matches to make the final at Horsham City Oval. The team travelled by bus on the Friday ahead of the Saturday game. After trailing by four goals during the second term, the might and talent of the Ovens of Murray came to the fore, kicking 13 of the last 16 goals to triumph by 35 points. Coach Mick Bone was again outstanding, leading by example and inspiring the second half comeback. Stan Sargent kicked six goals to star at full forward. Dynamic Myrtleford pair Martin Cross and Derek Taylor both kicked four goals each, while Rangaratta coach Trevor Steer dominated the ruck. A massive crowd of over 10,000 were in attendance as the Avon Murray regained the mantle of the best country football league in Australia. The winning check was $1,400 and the dividend from the championship just over $1,100 as the Ovens and Murray team celebrated the trip home via the Brian Baru Hotel in Bendigo. Attention now turned to the final round to complete the halfway point of the home and away season with Corowa playing the hot and cold Wangaratta Magpies. Both teams were on five wins and three losses along with Wodonga and Wang Rovers with North Albury half a game ahead of this pack in second place, just half a game separated second to sixth. Myrtleford were a game clear on top. A fast finishing Corowa fell seven points short with many of its stars, Fred Swift, Peter Chisnell and Kevin Wiverton all well beaten. Corowa badly missed big man Ike Isley, who was suffering from a heavy knock against Wodonga in round eight. Fortunately, the game did not repeat the scenes from 68 years earlier when Corowa and Wangaratta clashed in 1900. When the Corowa team arrived at the Wangaratta ground for its match in 1900, the Wangaratta Magpies did not intend to play under the appointed umpire, Mr J Taylor. However, wiser heads prevailed and the players took their positions onto the ground. For the first three quarters, Mr Taylor was cheered by spectators and the captains congratulated him at lemon time, aka three-quarter time. At this stage, the home side Wangaratta Magpies led a tight contest by two points. When Corowa hit the front in the final quarter, the hooting started. As soon as the final bell rang with Corowa leading by 15 points, a section of the crowd rushed onto the ground. From the ground to the hotel, Mr. Taylor, surrounded by the Corowa team, was subjected to a hail of mud, stones, and any missile the mob could get their hands on. Umpires had a tough job in the early days. Fred Longmire says the Corowa though, due to the hospitality of a local character, Ken Brown, towards the umpires in 1968, may have helped Corowa at times on game day with possibly the 50-50 calls going their way. Fred explains. Oh, look, Ken Brown was a, a committee person for the Corridor Spiders Footy Club and he actually was the uh, one of the managers out at Lindemann's Winery and so and also a great backyard gardener. And so 
by combining the, those opportunities uh, with the, uh, some of the wine that was available out at Lindemans and the, <laughs> and the magnificent tomatoes and the, all the other type fruit that Brownie used to grow in his backyard. When the umpires in those times had to come up from Melbourne by train and then they were distributed around the area for the various games by taxi, um, they would, after the game, and certainly at Corowa, um, be looked after uh, very well. And Brownie was good at that. And so um, he'd look after them. They'd stop at Brownie's place. You know, umpires like Don Jolly and, and yep. Ron Brophy and Matheson and all those great umpires. And Brownie used to look after them very well. And most times um, to the point where they'd have to stop the night at Brownie's. And then next day, he'd pack them. He'd get, get them to wing rat at the cats a train and uh, all the vegetables and, and the wine. And uh, so, we, you know, when we played in the finals, we, we had a really comfortable feeling. We probably got the best end of the stick in some of those games with the umpires. It wasn't the difference in the grand final, um, but certainly we thought that we I'm not sure how the free kick ratio ended up, but I think it was not too bad. Mm, well, there you go. The 1968 version had just as much excitement as both sides had played out an absolute beauty with many momentum swings throughout. So, at the halfway mark, Corowa were in fifth place, but had shown enough to suggest that they could contend with any team. Myrtleford, they were in top position, a game clear of North Aubrey, with Wangaratta half a game behind in third. Wodonga, Corowa and Wangaratta Rovers were all equal on five wins and four losses. A danger game at the Grove Oval in Yarrawonga commenced the second half of the season. Ike Isley and Bert Tate both came into the side while Jeff McLean missed his fourth match in a row with a shoulder injury. Despite having two less scoring shots, the Spiders won by 28 points with Rovers Lindsay Jacob and Jack Clancy in great form. John Lane, Terry and Bill Phipps were other outstanding contributors. The victory took Corowa back into the top four with the team's third to sixth all equal on six wins. Round 11 was a massive test for Corowa at home against North Aubrey, who were latter co-leaders with Myrtleford. Corowa started well, dominating possession but poor kicking at gold resulted in just two majors from nine scoring shots. In a game of fluctuating fortunes, North led narrowly at half time before the home side grabbed the lead late in the third quarter. Three goals to nothing in the final term, however, ensured North Aubrey won and along with the surprise hammering Wangaratta gave Myrtleford at Myrtleford, the Hoppers were now outright leaders and again, Corowa had dropped out of the four. Round 12, and a blockbuster clash at home for Corowa against Aubrey, who under coach Bob Spargo had won four games in a row. Both sides were level on six wins. In a low scoring and rugged encounter, Corowa returned to the top four with a grinding seven point win despite being outscored in three of the four quarters. Peter Chisnell was best on ground with over 40 possessions. The Spiders' second quarter was its best of the season as they added five goals four to the Tigers' nil. Fred Swift, John Hoyles and George Tobias were in superb touch as Corowa grabbed a valuable four points in a congested ladder from top to sixth. Round 13 and a trip to Myrtleford, who after leading the ladder for most of the season were in a form slump, having lost its last three matches. The home side were in a savage mood 
and despite kicking into a strong first quarter breeze, they did a sterling job to only trail the Spiders by one point at quarter time. The remaining three quarters were all Myrtleford as they kicked 11 of the final 13 goals to run out 51 point winners with Fred Longmire and Peter Chisnell the best amongst a poor showing that had Corowa again drop out of the top four. Bert Tate explained it was always a very physical contest against the mountain men. The mountain men from Myrtle, they were, you know, and I look at them, you know, Paddy Quirk, uh, Graham Ward, uh, Gary Taylor, uh, Bobby Crisp, Alan Crisp, you know, they were all, they were all men, six foot two, three, four and five, and, um, you know, they were, you know, they were, they were good, they were good, good. Once you cross that white line, she was on. Yeah. Once you get back out of the other side of the white line, all I wanted to do was, was, you know, talk you and have a drink with you. In a round full of upsets, with 7th place Aubrey beating ladder leaders North Aubrey and 8th place Benalla rolling 4th place Wangaratta. A massive round 14 home clash against Wangaratta Rovers was next for the Spiders, as the season's premiership was anyone's guess in the closest competition for many years in the ovens of Murray. Wet and slippery conditions kept goals to a premium, with Corowa only kicking one goal in the first half to be 16 points down to a more committed Rovers. The normally calm and measured Fred Swift roasted his troops during the break. The Spiders' last five quarters of football had produced just three goals, as its final four chances were looking very shaky indeed. The players' response was immediate, with the centre line of Graham Fraser, Peter Chisnell and Ken Eels dominating as Coral regained the lead by one point at three-quarter time. Bert Tate, with three goals, played a significant role in the Spiders, hanging on for a six-point win, and again, they returned to the top four. Wodonga were now in first place, half a game ahead of Myrtleford and North Aubrey. The battle to finish fourth was a beauty, with Corowa, Wangaratta, and Wangaratta Rovers all level with eight wins, with seventh-placed Aubrey a game behind, but with a very healthy percentage. With four matches left in the home and away season, Corowa headed down the Hume Highway to take on eighth place Benalla, who were in good form and an extremely dangerous opponent. Again, a poor first half highlighted an ordinary start to the game as Benalla took a 14 point lead into the second half with big Ike Isley off injured and upset was in the making. However, a brilliant four gold effort from Jack Clancy was enough to lift the Spiders to a six point win and hold fourth place but still equal with both Wangaratta sides. Aubrey were beaten by Wangaratta Rovers to finish its season, but got some good news when one of its players, Johnny Gorkham, won his bout in Melbourne on the following Monday night on TV ringside with a technical knockout in the first round. It was Johnny Gorkham's first fight in almost five years as he pursued his boxing career. The Border Premiership was up for grads in round 16 with Rubber Glen topped up by some district league permit players making the trip across the Murray River. Baldale coach Bill Gaifer and Talangaran District Football League Barton medalist Neville Jarvis from Kakanya both came into the Rubber Glen lineup for the derby. In a typical derby clash, neither side gave an inch with Corowa, despite leading all day, never really shrugging Rubber Glen off until late in the final quarter for a 22-point win. Speedy wingers Ken Eels and Graham Fraser again starved, with Lindsay Jacobs and Kevin Wiverton both kicking five goals in good touch. The following day, the Players Committee held a successful and well-attended Claybird shoot, 
raising money for the upcoming 10-day end-of-season trip to New Zealand. Back pocket, Ollie, Terry Phipps, as he was commonly known, was the pick of the gunslingers. The penultimate round of the home and away was a mouthwatering one, with just one win separating top of the ladder Wodonga to fifth place Wangaratta. Corrar in fourth place were level on points with Wangaratta, but held a 4.2 percentage advantage. Horowa were away to Wodonga, who with the return from injury of 1967 Morris medalist Gary Williamson was starting to hit its straps and a firm favourite to defend its premiership in six weeks' time. In a massive blow to Korowa's finals hopes, they suffered a comprehensive 52-point thrashing by the Bulldogs, with Eddie Rogalski booting nine goals for Wodonga. George Tobias said the day was in particular a very bittersweet one for him, and he was feeling it personally. Well, the loss to the Ovens of Murray League flag favourites Wodonga in round 17, as we were entering the change rooms, I was told by a couple of uh, Corowa supporters the results of the Korean and District Football League grand final win going, going to the Wagunya Tigers. Wow. I was absolutely gutted. So that evening, I went down to the Wagunya Football uh, venue to, uh, to help uh, celebrate with them. Um, I kept saying to myself, George, what have I done? I have missed, missed out playing in a grand final, winning, a winning grand final. I got very emotional with, you wouldn't believe, with tears running out of my eyes. The heavy loss was compounded with Wangaratta storming home to defeat Yarrawonga to jump ahead of Korowa by percentage margin of 2.4% and into fourth place on the ladder. The top three of Wodonga, Myrtleford and North Forbury were all assured of playing finals and with all three playing sides out of the four, they were in good shape to remain in that order. The final position was up for grabs with Korowa hosting Wangaratta in the final round and needing a significant victory to go ahead of the Magpies on percentage. Calculators in Korowa were in for a busy week as scenarios were played out, but firstly, they must win. Peter Chisnell explained, despite the loss to Wodonga, coach Fred Swift found plenty of positives out of the big loss. He said, and it was ironic, that he said on this particular day in John Livius' butcher shop, uh, he said, I thought we played and we controlled a lot of the ball at different times, but when they took control of the ball, they, they scored. Uh, and that's what he spoke to us about then. He spoke to us about, you know, how can we control that much of the ball against them? They beat us by eight goals. Well, what a finish coming up for the Spiders if they are to play finals. So don't miss part B that completes a story and scenario that is unlikely to ever be repeated again. A huge thank you to episode sponsors, Corowa Rutherglen Football and Netball Club Past Players Committee, Federation Council and the Australian Hotel, where you can drop in for a beer and a meal and tell your friends about this episode. And don't forget, if you'd like your great sporting story or moment brought back to life, contact us at yoursportandmedia.com. Until then, stay safe and we look forward to you joining us for part B of Corowa 1968.